do have dibs on her mantle if she makes an exit before I do. I've got dibs on it. Okay, let's try that again, Brother Gimme? Gim? Gimme? Huh? Kylie. A hand of fear gripped the crowd that day at Jerry's home When the doctor shook his head and said, she's gone You could feel that mother's heartbreak, you could hear them crying more Their little girl was only 12 years old Somewhere in the distance, outlined against the sun Came a man with a mission from the He said, look, somebody's coming. But what they did not know, it was their promise coming down that dust. There's a promise coming down that dust, you know. From his holy hands, he never to flow. He's got the key to what you need. Death and hell has been defeated. A promise coming down that dust road. mocking when Jesus did speak he said your daughter's not dead she's just asleep so he turned to the unbelievers and told them all go home they heard him say leave me and death oh, then he laid his hand upon the child looked death right in the eye he said oh Sister Wendell's time. So if I make y'all be quiet, 
Oh, I love that song. Uh, and I've sung it thousands of times. And I still love that song. It reminds me every time I sing it. It just reminds me. Thanks the Lord. Well, I'm glad that worked. Because this isn't going to work. Okay, I'm just trying to please everybody. You know, that's what women are supposed to do. This is going to go quick. You know, I see why y'all are having problems with this. Uh, You have to have long, very long arms to play this, for one thing. I'm taking up precious time, I know. That's worse. Take my shoes off. Okay. Thank you. Now get serious. And I've never played this song, but I'm going to do it for all of you who asked me. I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Trying to serve me But how can you serve me When your spirit's empty There's a longing in my heart Wanting more than just a part It's true It's true. I miss my time with you. I'm often like a child who fears the blowing wind and rain. I need someone to hold me close and to take away my pain. Then he binds my wounds, dries my tears, keeps me safe and warm. And underneath our resting is everlasting Quite suddenly he'll call me home 
as he promised so long ago that I shall rest from sorrow teardrops pain and woe I'll hear the calm rise up my child come away to remember. And I'm sorry I can't get to them all, and I thank you very much for, but that's just some. I suppose that's the one that one of them was very, very asked for. The other one was the most sincerely asked for. My highlights so far have been Kathy Fry taking me in her tan van from the airport here. (laughs) Jessica Meyer and her beautiful song. And of course, Becky Llewellyn. Becky, don't stop being dramatic. You're not weird. And as in anything that God does for you, as in any talent that God gives you, you may feel a bit intimidated because people seem to look at creative people and think that they belong in vans in San Francisco. (laughs) Don't stop using your talent. Most of the time, people admire you for it. Okay. Karen Sonoya... Pfeiffer, gimme. <laughs> you make me feel like an old woman. I've known her since she was little bitty, little itsy bitsy, and to see her makes me feel old and makes me feel oh so proud that parents instill truth in their children. And thank you for hanging in there. God's doing great things for you and your husband. I know that. Okay? Also, being here with Gwen Oaks is absolutely wonderful. 
We're from Arkansas. And that should explain many things. I wish you could have heard her last night. Okay? All right. Dear son, I'm writing this slow because I know you can't read very fast. We don't live where you... We don't live where we did when you left. Because your daddy read in the paper where most accidents happen within 20 miles of home, so we moved. And I ain't going to be sending you the address because the last Arkansas family that lived here took the numbers with them for their next house so they wouldn't have to change their address. Man, I wish I would have thought of that. Okay, the coat you wanted me to send you, well, Aunt Pilfer said that it would be a little too heavy to send in the mail with those heavy buttons. So I cut them off and I put them in your pocket so you'll find them right there. Listen, about your sister, she had a baby this morning and we haven't found out yet if it's a boy or a girl, so I don't know if you're an aunt or an uncle yet, but I'll let you know. Okay, and then, listen, then three of your friends went off the bridge in a pickup last night, and one was driving, the other two were in the back, and the driver got out because he rolled the window down, but the other two boys drowned. I hate that boy. They couldn't get the tailgate down in time, and they couldn't find how to do it. Not much more news, nothing much happening here in Arkansas. I was going to send you some money, but I had already sealed the envelope. So I love you, Mom. <laughs> Gwen Oaks. We're from Arkansas. You're from Arkansas. How many's from Arkansas? Really? Look there. I just love you guys. And Sister Wendell, what an honor to be here with Sister Wendell. What an honor. I am really blessed. Uh, I'm sorry that I could not see Sister Grant, but I have honestly enjoyed so much being with these wonderful women, the general board that was back here last night, and these two great ladies. They're wonderful. Y'all, let me just tell you this. Okay, stop. Let me just tell you this. Uh, You're really blessed. Uh, There's a lot of people who think that personality and Jesus don't jihaw. And these women, I mean, they, they, they know how to have fun. And, and who says you can't have fun, laugh hysterically about anything in the world, and then immediately turn it into a heavenly gear? It, uh, what's wrong with that? Okay. So getting to know those wonderful women has been great. And I'm sorry I was not in my home when you were in my home. That's very typical. I have one little path that goes from the back door to the bed. And then from the bed to the back door. That's about all I do in that house. So you were probably there longer that day than I was. But I'm sorry that I was not there to be a gracious hostess. Hopefully somebody was. (laughs) Okay. 
Okay. To keep her from stealing anything out of my house. Okay, I probably don't have anything that she'd want. I was coming down the stairs to this wonderful ladies' meeting today. Coming down the stairs. It's a way to get exercise, okay? Just one little way to get exercise. You go to the hospital, don't take the elevator, take the stairs, okay? Unless you have bad knees. Or ankles. Or legs. Or diabetes. Okay. And I passed the man. And so I backed up to let him pass. And undoubtedly, he must have thought I was fat and ugly. He didn't give me a problem. I really think you stretched that story, Sister Snow. <laughs> but anyway, I, I backed up against the wall to let him by and was ever so nice and gracious. He, and um, he walked on up the stairs, and I was walking away, and... As I was walking away, something that was on the wall, either somebody did a bad job of trying to, um, um, what it, what it, okay, did a bad job, <laughs> and my hose hooked onto it. And I was walking on down, and this line, <laughs> it got tighter and tighter around my leg. <laughs> And I look back, <laughs> Well, I had another pair of hose, luckily. There's nothing, that's all to that story. I don't have a funny punt or nothing. That's just all. I thought it was unusual that my hose cut on the wall. There's no great spiritual significance in that. If you want to make something, is this on video? Oh, good, Brother Snow. Can somebody help me draw something from that that might be of an encouragement to you? Don't gripe about having to go up the stairs. Um, what? Okay. These, these wimps want to take the elevator. Okay, moving right along. I promise you I'm going to give you all the time that they'll, that they'll give you. Okay. <laughs> sister Wendell. My sister-in-law, I have so many things to say to y'all. My sister-in-law was with y'all last year. Yes. Jelaine Lumpkin is my wonderful sister-in-law. Isn't that great? She did a great job. I... Uh, it's probably the dearest friend that I have. I love Jelaine Lumpkin. She's so pure and so real and so right. I know. Whatever she said to you was right. Um, uh, another highlight for me was that my, my aunt, who uh, I don't have not gotten to see often in my life, was here. And I want you to please continue to help pray for her and uh, for several reasons. And uh, I would love for her. She is planning to come to... Uh, Alexandria is to visit with us. So please keep that in mind. I want God to do something good for her. Uh, 
I just need, we need to pray that she will be prepared and her heart will be prepared to know that God is doing something good for her. So you can help me pray about that. And, um, and I'm going to sing and then I'm going to give my speech. Okay? Brother Kaya, Kaya, Kai, what? Kylie? Brother Kylie? I guarantee you all these women will know your name after today. I'm the only one having the problem. Okay. Uh, today. Are you living your life in a hurry? Spending each day on the run. Do you make quick decisions? Without a clear vision Just hoping that God's will is done God has given His Spirit to lead you If you'll only take time to hear By His Word, with His wisdom He's just waiting for you to draw near to take time to sit at his table. He has a place prepared for you. Take time to be in his presence. Hear his voice, voice, and my The shadow of the 
August of 1996, my husband and I was in San Antonio, Texas to put some final touches on the planning of some services and events that were going to take place in our general conference last year. And we were staying at the San Antonio Marriott Hotel in room 1512. And I guess I remember that so significantly because something pretty amazing happened to me there. In the summer of last year, it had occurred to me that my husband was in his mid-40s and I was close behind. My daughter had graduated from high school and my son was tall enough, finally, to slap the door, the top of the facing of the door, every door from Louisiana to Wisconsin, every building, every chance. My tops of my doors are dirty because my son is tall enough to slap the top of the door. <clears throat> Life was moving pretty swiftly, and uh, it was pretty, so rapid, I felt like I've, we've had many fast rains and currents, and life was moving so swiftly that one day as I was going over O.K. Allen Bridge, after a hard rain, I saw Red River and its currents, and it going so quickly, and the thought hit me, and I, this is nothing grand, but I mean, it just hit me. That water that's passing under this bridge will never come this way again. And uh, it kind of happened at the same time that all of this other was hitting me full force in the face. And I was over, over flooded because I'm busy. In excess, I'm busy. And it had been my intention and my aim at that particular time to slow down and just notice some things. Notice things like that water's never going to come under the bridge again. Just notice some things. I was still in the intention stage when my daughter decided that she was going to be married. And so with that happening and her being young, yet I kind of always knew that was going to happen, and I certainly had no ammunition to fight with. I was married younger than she was, is. All of this came on me in a heap. There was a lot of stirrings on the inside of me. So I was sitting in San Antonio on the outside balcony of room 1512. San Antonio is such a gorgeous city. It was 6.35 and I had not slept throughout the whole night. Though God had been trying to reveal some pretty amazing truths to me in a greater way than I've ever known before, I will still experience, still have difficulty in deciphering. If in these awake times, is it God? Is it uh, enchiladas? <laughs> is it, um, what did you get me yesterday, Kathy? Taco, pizza, 
Um, is it Cokes? Is it me? Is it God? Is it nothing? So just in case I would be fortunate enough that it would be the Lord trying to speak to me, there I was, out on the balcony, sitting in a green plastic chair, waiting. I remember thinking how unusually dark that it was at 6.35. Now, do any of you know, do any of you like Waldo? Okay. Those who do not know Waldo, do you not know Waldo? You don't? Could somebody at your table tell you real quickly who Waldo is? Because my pulpit is not large enough this morning and I need to regroup. Anybody who does not know who Waldo is? Now? Okay. Well, I've got books. I've got calendars. I've bought my husband ties with Waldo on it. I love it. I know it's stupid. But so is golf. Really? Really, it's stupid. Six weeks ago today, my little girl ran off with a man. And uh, she was, honest to God, the most stunning bride I have ever seen. And I have pictures to prove it. I should have just brought, put, got it out and just had it passed from table to table. I think. Ain't she something? Seven pictures back. Oh, oh. 
Okay. My little daughter got married six weeks ago tonight. And she left her mother all alone. To find Waldo all by myself. We have had the greatest times as a family. Now, you don't have to discuss the pictures now. You just need to look at them. Okay? We have had the best family times connecting together, we really have, in trying to find Waldo. Sometimes we never found him. Sometimes he was in the shadows. Most of the time, Waldo was right in the big middle of it all. We just couldn't find him for a while. But the journey to find him was so much fun. If I found Waldo immediately, y'all, I would not have seen the Statue of Liberty doing the bump with Ross Perot. I would not have seen Michael Jordan in high heels. I wouldn't have seen Elvis performing in cowboy boots. I wouldn't have seen a dog biting rear end of Rush Limbaugh. Loved it. I got a rush out of that. <laughs> Things I wouldn't miss for the world. But I realize once you find Waldo, it's over. So could it be the intention, the aim, the purpose, the fun, the truth is in finding him? Well, so I was sitting on the balcony of room 1512. And I could say that I was sitting out there. I could feel the strength of God as I watched joggers running down the river walk. And it would be true. I could say that I sensed the very presence of God as the early morning Texas wind blew across my balcony, and that would be true. I could say that I saw God in the sunrise that morning, and that would be true. And I could say that I heard God in the Episcopal church bells that rang very early that morning, and that would be true. While playing Where's God that morning, I remembered something that I had learned long ago and had given it to my memory. And this is it. To discover God in the smallest and in the most ordinary things, as well as in the great, is to possess a great and a sublime faith. I've always been quick to see God in the major events of my life. When I chose a husband, when I, when I chose a college, uh, when we took our first church in Dallas, when we were in a financial crisis, when I had my children, when my father was full of disease, when I was searching for his perfect will. I was and I am always prone to see God working in those situations. And that's where we believe, 
rightfully. This is where we have faith. And these both are the basic ingredients to our Christian life. Belief and faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. However, may I submit to you please that as we strive for perfection in him, one way to do this is to seek him in every odd corner of our lives as well as in the obvious. So much emphasis has been put on believing God and seeing God's hand in this and seeing his purpose in that, but not on watching God. Watching the process as well as believing and having faith in what the end result is going to be. In my dark hotel room with curtains drawn, I really believed that the sun would come up. It always has. But outside on my balcony, I watched God dispel the darkness. The idea of watching God is, is not new, but it is to me. I believed him more for promises coming down my dusty road than I believed that not even a sparrow can fall without him knowing of it, without him allowing it, without him being completely aware of it. Absolutely no detail of any life is too insignificant for him. And absolutely nothing can happen to me and to you without his consent. How can I watch God work in my life? God is not done with me, and he's not done with you. You know how I know that? We're still here. He who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion. Amen. God has a goal, and it is for our perfection. And watching him work in us to help us to reach that goal can add much excitement to our sometimes very ordinary mundane lives. I was seven years of age when I became the church organist. And that was only because the little lady died. They'll give that birthright up before they'll give that piano bench up, I tell you. <laughs> they'll give their right arm. And I guess just play with their left. I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of threw that in there. I amazed myself sometimes. But I was all they had. That was it. Me. Seven years old. I don't remember really singing songs at that time that 
magnified and praised the name of the Lord. I'm sure we did. I'm sure we did. But this is what I remember. You know how you remember just certain things when you're seven? You don't remember all the wonderful things your mother did for you. You remember when she whipped you with the belt. Okay. Well, this is what I remember. This is the songs I remember growing up on and having to play. Jesus, use me. Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I must do. Even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. And I remember, work for the night is come. Work while it is still day. Work, 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 work. Okay, here's another one. I will say yes, yes, yes. I will say yes now, now, now. I will say me, me, me. I will say me, use me. You remember those? I think the guiding principle of my life has been, and the driving force of my life has been, to find the place where God could use me. However, 36 years later, plus seven makes 43, okay? I am beginning to see that God is more interested in who I am than in what I do. You got to be old, I guess, to know that. Or you have to come through a lot of truths for you to recognize that. While I set goals and measure success in numbers, God says, be still, listen, and know that I am God. And while I put emphasis on performance and accomplishment, he's looking for love, joy, peace, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, tolerance, self-control. And while I still sing these songs about service unto the Lord, he whispers sometimes to me as I'm driving over the O.K. Allen Bridge. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The truth of the scriptures is honestly this, and we said it last night. Men and women walked and fellowshiped 
with God. God blessed them not for what they had done, but simply because they believed in him. They were mesmerized by him. They adored him. They watched his every move. Today in 1997, we are drowning in the busyness of service more than any generation that I have ever heard of or been a part of. Committees, projects, programs, events, everything that can distract us does. When service becomes our priority. You know what we do? We quickly fill up our calendars. And when it's more important for us to do something, be it for God or for somebody else, we have very little time to watch God and to listen to God. Richard Foster is author of a book that's entitled Prayer. You could have read it, read it maybe some of you if you haven't. It's a wonderful book. There's a chapter in it that's called Unceasing Prayer. And he quotes a saint in there and then the saint's name was Brother Lawrence. And this is a quote of this is the quote. I have to practice the presence of God. Now let that sink in for just a moment. I have to practice the presence of God. The time of business for me does not differ from my time of prayer. In the noise and in the clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are calling on me for several different things and all at the same time, I can possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were on my knees. That probably doesn't sound like our kitchens. But that puts us at two levels. One of thinking and discussing and meeting all the demands of external affairs that happen to us, yet deep within at the very same time and probably at a much more profound level. Be in prayer, in adoration, in song, and in worship. And although I'm sure that that's difficult to do, doing that at the same time of our external business affairs will help us to handle the external business affairs with wisdom and with responses. Don't you think that might just make a bit more sense than dividing the day into God times and other times? After I've spent scheduled time with God in the morning, I bid him have a great day, just like I do Gentry when I drop him off at school. I'll pick you up at 3.15 this afternoon. And I don't think that's right. Instead, I picked him up 
at 6.35 a.m. in San Antonio, Texas last year. And I have chosen to take the first small step on the path toward discovering God throughout the day. And I choose not to call it constant communion. I see it more as awareness. I have not mastered this at all. This requires time and it requires discipline. This is something that I'm going to have to work at. It's new to me. And I have to develop this habit. Just as I have every other habit. Like everyone else, I have a to-do list, correspondence, phone calls, errands, and I carefully maintain my list. And I get a great feeling of accomplishment for every job that's deleted. They say in my office that my greatest joy comes over my face when I throw papers away. (laughs) But you know what this master list is to do? It is to relieve my mind. Right? Assuring me that I haven't forgotten anything. All I have to do is check the list. Wherein lies the problem? It's so long that it raises my anxiety level just to look at it. And so, what I've done is bought into this modern myth that says, technology is going to help me be more efficient. Management methods are going to help me. I am going to get up an hour earlier. I am going to work while I eat lunch. And I'm going to take a speed reading course. And I'm going to listen to tapes while I drive. You know what? It's a foolish and it's a destructive illusion because I am mortal. With obvious, very obvious limitations. We blame the complexity of our lives on the complex nature of our society when the bottom line is we are not skilled in the inner life. Where the real roots of our problem lie. Discovering and watching God throughout the day in our lives is going to require something of each one of us. Patience. That gift was not passed out to many women. Patience. True patience is the losing of our self-will into his will. In the last eight or nine months, I've noticed a small change in this patience. I've tried to become more and more aware of the presence of God. To know that he is right there on the page right there amongst all the other stuff that's on there he's there I'm just looking for him and I'm enjoying the search no matter what task that I'm engaged in I'm practicing his presence I've spent less time in the get your prayer in prayer time 
and I've been a little bit less hurried and a bit more apt to see interruptions as God's plan. More content to sit at a red light. Less upset about rescheduling an already overcrowded schedule. It's hard for us to say no. Growth does not come with a snap of the fingers. And I don't believe that God just pours water and mix together and gets instant perfection out of us and instant patience. I need to be patient with God as he is even working patience in me. Patience with God. It's a prerequisite. It really is. Developing patience by by definition means this. Are you ready? By definition, this is what patience means. Required distress. Patience is the act of bearing adversity calmly. Jesus, help. (laughs) So can I just narrow it down to this? Patience is acting calm. I don't care if you don't believe me. (laughs) That's a truth that really hurts. I know it does me. Patience is acting calm. And God is trying to work patience in us. Patience does not grow in the garden of good fortune. It does not. It comes only under great constraint, and it is fertilized by suffering. God used a devastating loss in my life in the last few years to interest me in this new phase of my life, and I'm so sorry it took so long for me to get started. You may be a teenager in here today, a mother of four, a retired businesswoman, a career-minded woman. No matter. I don't believe that God discriminates any of us by age, position, or experience. But for reasons far beyond our capability to discern, he nudges different ones of us at different times, and he uses various events to get our attention. By saying that, take it easy on on these people that, that you run with or that you see from a distance. It could be that what you are blaming them for or what you're assuming or what you are supposing has nothing to do with how they are or how they are reacting. 
It could possibly have something to do with the fact that God, in his timing, is taking care of the situation. And by you sizing it up, you're putting you're putting a bridle on God and controlling him. God uses different things that take time to work out situations in your life and in somebody else's life. If they don't come up to your expectations, leave God alone. As I watch God work, I've got to expect the very unusual and know that he is in it. As I pay attention and as I listen, I'll discover him the, in the ordinary, the very ordinary as, as well as in the wondrous. And I may not always understand the meaning, but at least the search will not be boring. I've walked only a very few steps down this road of this office, very often, profound new dimension for me. But I am committed to blending the sacred and the secular and letting God intrude more and more into every corner of my life. That's good. That is good. So today, I invite you to play Where's God? With me. Begin to look for him in the smallest and in the most ordinary as well as in the greatest. See him in the trivial little things as well as in the traumatic. See him in the grandeur as well as in the routine. He is there when you receive great honors. Or he is there when you offer to take a bus route child home from Sunday school. He's there when you park your car. He's there when you notice the eyes of a child. He's there. He's in somebody's voice. He's in the trees. He's in the tomato vine. He's in a good book. He's in a milkshake. He's in old cars. He's in old people. He's in your good old pet dog or cat. Right? And he's in the game, Where's Waldo? I spent hours of priceless moments with my little girl as she squealed in delight every time she found him first. My now out-of-the-house daughter that I'm missing so terribly, that he gave me to nurture. I had time with her. And I watched God work in our relationship. Pay attention to life. 
Watch life. Life is what's happening while you're making other plans. So your suffering and your happiness, your fun, even your impulses are the mysteries in which God works and reveals himself to you and works patience in you. Christopher Reeve was Superman. He went around helping everyone, saving everybody from their distressful situations. And then he fell off of his horse and he broke his neck. And he cannot move anymore. And this is what he says. I stole this from Continental Airlines. (laughs) In many ways, this injury has proved so useful. I'm so much closer to my my wife and my three children. I used to sneak away in the mornings to train my horse. I wouldn't give my children and my family the attention they deserved. I had many missed connections. Reeve now often takes refuge on the balcony of his Massachusetts house, gazing at the mountains for hours. He exercises, he prepares, and he waits. I would think that probably he has never felt or experienced God in as great a way as perhaps he knows him now. Because what he has done is sit on his balcony for hours and looked for him and watched him. And as you sit on your balcony of your life. Watch everything that happens and know that nothing, absolutely nothing, escapes him. He knows everything. Our perfection in him lies in everything that happens to us. I want to sing this song. Sing it with me. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He is the only one who cares and understands. Standing somewhere. Jesus, he's the hope. 
standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him, and you'll know him by the nail prints in his hands. He Sing it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> 